Welcome to The Burn, Beyond Firestop. I'm your host, John Zalepka. Our show is focused on life safety and code compliance in the built environment, which puts me on a mission to find the most interesting people in the space to get their unique perspectives. Our hope is that our listening audience walks away with an understanding of how our guests and their businesses also contribute to the promotion of life safety of whatever is being built. Our show, as always, is brought to you by Specified Technologies Incorporated, also known as STI Firestop. And since 1990, STI has been a leading global provider of innovative fire protective solutions that help stop the spread of fire, smoke, and hot gases. And our guest today is no stranger to these such topics. He's a self-described fire geek, a code compliance coach, a system regulatory director, and facilities engineer, and a lot of other things that I'm sure we're going to get into today. Josh Brackett, welcome to The Burn. Thank you, John. It's uh, great to be here. Well, Josh, you know, I always like to start on a personal note rather than jumping into the whole business of things. And I want to take you back to your college days, back to Oklahoma State University. Go Sooners. No, just kidding to all you Cowboys fans out there. Just kidding. Just kidding. I see that you majored in fire protection and safety engineering technology and were even in the fire protection society. Now, while it's pretty common that most people don't use their degrees, it's rare that you see someone almost embody their major. Did you always know that you wanted to be in the fire protection industry? And if so, what made you consider this field in the first place? Oh gosh. Wow. So there's a whole story here. So, um, but let's go. That's what we're here for. Uh, so I actually, um, my whole life, I just wanted to be a firefighter. That's all I wanted to do. And, uh, um, but I also wanted to get a college degree. So, you know, added two and two together and figured out like fire protection engineering. And, um, so, uh, I didn't want to just be uh, a firefighter my whole life. I wanted to like grow into a fire marshal or a fire chief or some some you know authority over um, over a department. And um, so I graduated from college, uh, started applying, and I man, I got to the uh, the final interview of seven different departments, and uh, was turned down each time. And the final interview, wow. man, like the process of of becoming a firefighter is super difficult. You have, I mean polygraph tests and strength tests and endurance tests and written tests and interview after interview and uh so finally like the last time um a uh, uh i was sitting with the fire chief and he said son i'm not gonna hire you and i was like what what i was like sir respectfully i have 29 more minutes of your time you know why and he said you're overqualified and uh and it kind of just hit me you know right there um, two days later, I got a, a, a phone call from an engineering firm that I had uh, interviewed with two years before, and they said, "Hey, you know, you said to wait until uh, until 2010. Your wife's graduating, and all of that. Um, are you still interested?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> so I mean, and then the, uh, you know, I just I ended up falling in love with the engineering side, um, and I got to work in uh, healthcare engineering. Um, specifically so i was doing uh uh fire protection engineering for um hospitals so that's kind of like how i dove into the healthcare side was that your first real world job was, which one was that that was it that was my first real world job yeah so okay. um i mean i had i actually owned a, a business uh throughout college i used to be a long time ago so this is how i like tie back to like technicians i was an appliance repair technician um, for about eight years. I uh, owned my own company, went into thousands of people's houses, uh, fixing appliances. 
So, um, and I really think that's where like, you know, my, my love of the, the technical traits comes from, right? So it's, it's, it's a, I don't ever, I, I would never, ever, you know, I tell people this, I, I am not a proponent of you have to go to college to be successful in life. So, uh, I believe, you know, technical traits, um, have just as much, if not more merit in certain situations. So how did you find, again, specifically into the healthcare arena, into the industry there? I mean, oh, man. how did you start applying all of that good stuff to the to that industry? Oh, gosh. So um, I, wow, uh, ended up, um, I ended up, we had a, that engineering firm had a whole bunch of electrical engineers leave and the electrical engineers did uh, all the fire alarm design. And I was like, oh, man. Um, I had a fire alarm class in college. Surely I can do that. <laughs> so I was the first first uh, engineer at the company to um, go do the fire protect the automatic sprinkler side, right, and the fire alarm side. So I, I merged kind of like the water and electricity, which don't mix, by the way. And uh, and um, then that led to me like building this business plan uh, that I presented to um the c-suite there and they're like hey congratulations you're the national director of business development because you can talk to people too so um that let me like go out and, and really interact with clients uh the hot you know the facilities managers really get to know a lot of them i got plugged into ashy um and i was like oh my gosh i love this love love everything that's going on i just want to contribute and uh long story short we uh we adopted our three girls and um, I didn't want to travel five days a week anymore. So uh, I found a job at a local uh, fire alarm contracting company, um, found out I did not want to be a contractor. Uh, and then Baptist Health reached out to me in Little Rock and said, hey, um, you want to be over life safety for us? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do that. So um, and then now um, I've migrated. I'm at Banner Health uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. So. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a, so, I mean, you've also said, and this is me creeping on your LinkedIn profile, obviously, that you've been very blessed over your career to be surrounded by leaders in the healthcare industry. Very much. Some of them took you under your wings, mentored you. Do you want to give a few shout outs and don't feel bad about missing anybody? If Josh misses you, he didn't mean to. No, so yeah. Um, there have been, a, there's been a lot. Um, I would say, uh, one of the one actually, so, I mean, you know, one of the ones, but, uh, so, um, Doug Erickson actually used to be my boss. Um, and I know, you know, but he, uh, he also, he took me under, under his wing, um, and really helped me like grow from a business development side, like talking to clients and things like that. Um, Tim Adams, uh, I mean, he just got the crystal Eagle, um, for Ashy him and Jonathan Flannery, uh, really kind of first got me plugged in at Ashy and said, Oh, Hey, congratulations. You're a volunteer now. And, uh, <laughs> so, um, that's usually how it works. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, we, um, Oh gosh, there's Jim Peterkin, uh, Chad Beebe, uh, Bill Koffel, uh, Mike Crowley, a lot of the fire protection guys, right? Really? I mean, they, they always take my calls even still like, um, but, but, you know, I, I think that really uh, goes to um, our industry, right, of, of everybody's so willing to help. You know, it's not this like 
protected. Like, oh, this is mine. It's coveted. I, this is my knowledge. It's you know, everybody's willing to share. Um, there's this person, Lindsay Brackett. You know, she's probably been the the leading person in my life. Honestly, really pushing me. Um, and then I've got a whole bunch of of people that I lean on. Uh, Frank Ruloso. I mean, I, I I could literally go on and on and on. I'm just trying to get some leads for my next podcast guest. So appreciate oh, that. <laughs> no. There's a ton. There's a ton. A ton. Yeah. No, that's great. And and how has that prepared you? What do you do currently? Uh, what is your position now? What does your day to day look like? Yeah. So um, now I am the system regulatory director uh, of Banner Health. We've got 32 hospitals and 200 plus clinics. Um, wow. I've got a facility staff of 500 plus, um, and my job is to, uh, from a corporate perspective, um, provide the direction uh, for our codes and regulatory compliance program, like and keep it pushing forward. So uh, Banner is very progressive uh, when it comes to um, codes and, and regulatory compliance. They really, they're not just a uh, checkbox kind of kind of group. So it's really cool. It's it's how do we take something that's currently good, I'd say great already, um, and how do we make it even better? All right. So, uh, and that's, that's, I get to do um, a lot of, uh, luckily, like, so one of the things that, that was kind of a deal breaker for me, I said, hey, you know, I'm plugged in with ASHI. I sit on all these NFBA committees. Uh, I love to volunteer. I love to give back. And they're like, no, 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 Josh. Like, we want you to do that. That's part of your job. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Who tells you, yeah, we want you to volunteer your time, right? So, uh, but that's like the culture. It's the culture. It's because they've realized and recognized that I'm only as good as the the people that, that I know and surround myself with. Um, if it weren't for a lot of those people I listed, if I didn't have those contacts and those connections, then I wouldn't be where I am today. I think you may have just answered my next question, but you know, with healthcare regulations becoming more stringent, how do we get IT departments, engineers, contractors, inspection teams, get them all on the same page? I, I, it, it goes back to networking. You just gotta, you gotta have those uh, open, open and honest communications. And I mean, like I, we had a, we had one yesterday um, where if you don't have the, the right players on the team, right, then, then, uh, or the, all the people at the table, let's say that all the right people at the table, then you're never going to be able to change. Right. So like yesterday we had a call um, with, uh, we were talking about RPTs and ORs, right. So, which is constantly an issue uh, with joint commission and, and um, DNV and all the, you know, surveying all the accrediting organizations going out and surveying, understanding the, the requirements uh, from NFPA 99 and also understanding what the new requirements in the 2021 edition says. Right. So how can we use that? How can we leverage that? But, you know, it took, it took, getting um, the OR perioperative director, uh, biomed director, me, the facilities manager, the um, infection prevention. I mean, like, so and bringing everybody together and having those conversations and saying, hey, here's what's required. Um, here's how we can comply. Here's what we think we need to do. Right. Um, and I, but I, I think that is a key to truly having a successful program is making sure that you have buy-in from everybody on the team. Now, is that also what you do with Legacy FM? I know that, is that kind of what 
led you to co-found them, would kind of bring in all these people together? Because pitch whatever you want to do. Talk about whatever you want to talk about, Josh. Oh, boy. No, so um, <laughs> in reality, I my like Lindsay started the company, right? So um, and and this was her dream, uh, her vision. It's been uh, it's way more successful than we ever thought. Uh, it would be right. And which is great. You know, people are really buying into it, but, um, we tell people, um, legacy FM is, is, uh, where we were founded on the premise of what's called the legacy project, which is, um, you know, how do you leave behind your legacy? Right. So we've got all these, all of these, uh, we call it the silver tsunami, right? I think somebody at Ashy may have coined that, but the silver tsunami of facilities managers and technicians leaving the industry over the next decade. Who's replacing them? What legacy are they leaving behind? How are we transferring that knowledge, right? I mean, some of those technicians have been there for 50 years, literally, you know? And, um, and man, they, they have they know the the where all of the skeletons are right so that was the original premise of it and we then uh we quickly realized that this is way bigger than need for the industry than than uh than uh what it was and and um so we tell people you know we're we're a training and education company right we develop custom training and education solutions for healthcare facilities teams specifically Right, specifically around what their needs are, their equipment, their policies, their procedure, their people, their departments, right? And uh, anything from onboarding to continuing education, it doesn't matter. It's what what is needed for them. And every hospital, we, we now work with over 250 hospitals. Every single one is different. Every single one is different. And, um, but the biggest thing we tell people, we're not a, we're, we are not a training and education company. We are an empowerment company. Our job is to empower the people that are turning the wrenches in our facilities to do their best every day to have the knowledge, the skills that they need. Look, they they know how to they know how to turn wrenches. They know how to fix electrical systems. They know how to do all that, right? But working in healthcare, working in hospitals is different. The codes and regulatory compliance side, the HIPAA, the security, the you know, it's getting all of that. And especially as we're getting all of these new people in the industry, right? That's where we've got to, we've got to get them trained the right way from the get go. So. And that's awesome. And I guess you benefit from that just by being who you are. (laughs) It's just, I mean, it's one of those things that it's, it is rare that you get to do what you love every day. And, and people are like, oh man, Josh, you just, you, you, I, I just had somebody tell me the other day, they're like, they're like, I have no idea. Like you must never sleep. You know, you just wrote a book and you just, um, you have the company and you work for banner and you're moving and And I was like, actually, I mean, and this is the truth. I get eight hours of sleep every night. So it's just, you know, when, when you're doing what you love, you know, then it does, it really doesn't feel like work. It just, right. it doesn't. So, um, and that's, you know, I tell people, find what you're passionate about and do that. And I get to work all day working for a hospital system, which is specifically what I want to do. Um, I have the opportunity to go full time at Legacy. I don't want to. I want to be in hospitals working with the technicians directly. I want to have ha- be able to do that. Right. That's that's my passion. That's what I love. And then when I'm done with that, I get to go home. I get to work on Legacy stuff, doing what I love training and empowering other people. So 
um, find what you love. That's that's great. Yeah. Build a legacy with legacy. Oh gosh. So so speaking of dreaming, you I mean you must dream in coded standard sleeping. <laughs> There have been. Do you like wake up at night and like start jotting some things down? I mean, I know that you've served on a lot of NFPA committees, fire alarm testing we mentioned earlier, uh, also health codes and standards, I'm sure, just to name a few. And I know that you mentioned ASHE and their regulatory committee. Why, why is it so important giving back your time? I know that you said the networking is part of it, but I mean, I, I guess it ties all in with the legacy also. I mean, this is just you giving back, right? It's one of those that... Um you know, some of those leaders in, in my life. Uh, and, and I look at it as every interaction, you know, that you have with somebody um, can make a lasting impression forever. Right. And, and I have people in my life that I've literally only met one time that have made such an impression on me that I'll never forget. Them. Um, and it all goes back to, it, it all goes back to if, if I didn't have the people in my life that I have that, that believed in me, that supported me, that challenged me, you know, um, like, like writing, writing this book, you know, we, I built a, I built a committee of people because I knew that I couldn't do it alone. Right. And uh, name, tell, tell us the name of your book, Josh. What, what's the name oh, of your book? Oh gosh. How, <laughs> how to develop an integrated fire protection and life safety testing program. Thing. And where can people get your book? Ashy. Ashy.org backslash fire dash ITM. We'll make sure to get that in yeah. the uh, show notes for you. Yeah. We'll, we'll get some people up for you. Go on. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I definitely wanted you to be able to plug your book there for sure. No, it's great. I mean, and, and it's, uh, you know, 100% of the profits go to, to Ashy, which, you know, um, we, this was all volunteer work for from the entire group. And, and um, it was not... Um, I, I played a small role. My job was getting the group together, right? And then all of these wonderful authors and everything, experts in the industry came out of the woodwork to really, they're like, wow, we believe in this, you know, let's, let's do this. And uh, it took us almost two years, right? But, and, and literally 10,000 hours of work. So, but um, I believe that all of these people were, were like put into my life for a reason. I've learned from them. I, I mean, I learn from, I learn from people every day. I'm a lifelong learner. Everything that, that I do, like I try to, what can I learn from that? You know, not just a lesson, but like maybe it's just uh just an interaction or, or something like that, you know, but every opportunity is, a, is, is a way to learn. Even it's just something about somebody, right? So my, what I believe is, is just in giving back, uh, because of all the people that gave to me, you know, it's, it's, if everybody, if everybody donated just a little bit of time, right. To, to, because everybody has a unique set of knowledge specific to them that nobody else has, right. John, I mean, you do, right. You know, there is something that I guarantee you, you could say right now. And I'd be like, wow, I had no idea. Right. So, because everybody has something. So, and but if we all just shared that something, then, then, you know, that's what it's all about. Definitely is. You got to give back and you get out of things, what you put into them, obviously. And, and I know that you spent, you said 10,000 hours at Ashy putting that book together. That makes you an expert, I guess. Right. I think that's what they said. That's the number 10,000. I know you teach a lot of courses there as well. What are, what are some of the courses that you've been teaching? Oh yeah. So, um, I do the CHFM, um, the CHC, 
uh, the energy to care program, uh, the treasure hunts, um, doing the, uh, we have one coming up um, here actually for the uh, Central Arizona uh, chapter, the um, working in healthcare um, course uh, coming up later this month. So, and uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I love doing that. I love getting out there. It's because, um, you know, it's again about every single, every single one of those courses, I learned something. Because somebody asks a great question and I'm like, oh, wow, we could incorporate that into into the training, you know, or um, uh, or if somebody somebody brings something up and we're able to answer a, a problem like that they have on the fly, you know, by talking to the group. Right. Hey, what do you guys think? How can we solve this? Um, those those situations always come up. And uh, I think I think they're great. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, you know that the in-person is really starting to come back, right? So, because it, it's just that the interaction that you're able to have with, with people is phenomenal, so. For, for sure. I mean, I, I can remember when I was out in the field as a territory manager, I did a lot of trainings, especially at hospitals and healthcare facilities. As you know, fire stopping's crucial, especially for defending in place strategy and things like that. And I got the same kind of response, just getting that feedback from people being out there and saying, how can we make this training better? I started messing with the PowerPoints at STI. I thought I was going to get fired. They said, you're the training development manager now. So same kind of thing that's kind of happened to you in, in your past is uh, is kind of coming full circle for me also. But, you know, what I guess it's important for people to know what, what would happen in a healthcare facility if a fire broke out? I mean, why is it so important to train people to, to do these things the right way? Cause what would happen? I mean, honestly. So, um, I, I do a lot of, um, a lot of training and focus on this. Look, we have done a, we've done a fantastic job as an industry on, um, reducing the number of fires and fire deaths in hospitals. Right. I mean, we haven't had a major fire incident in the United States in a hospital in, in a long time. I don't even know how long. But look, they are still occurring across the world. We've seen that. We see those on the uh, on the news still. But um, the codes were written for a reason. Um, and and they were written by people way smarter than me. Um, and I'm, I'm so fortunate, like even in the code codes that I sit on now, like, man, just the wealth of knowledge um, and, on those committees. Now, do they always get it right? No, they don't. I mean, and I love to use the example of like smoke compartments in healthcare are tw were 22,500 square feet. Do you know where that came from, John? No idea. Uh, years and years and years ago, they said, hey, whoa, there was this fire in a hospital and the whole thing like burnt up. You know, oh, hospitals are different. They need to be defend in place. You know, they need, they need separation of spaces uh, because people are incapable of self-preservation. They can't take care of themselves. It's the hospital worker's job to make sure that they evacuate patients, to make sure that they get them away from the smoke and the fire, right, into a different compartment. And if you absolutely have to, worst case scenario, out of the building, right? But um, so they're like, okay, how should we, how should we do this? So they had everybody on the committee hold their breath and walk as far as they could. The average was 125 feet. 125 feet by 125 feet gets you 22,500 square feet. So wow. we've updated those codes for the newer edition to match more uh, scientific data, right? So now for new buildings, you can do 40,000 square feet. 
right? But all of these, so it doesn't, I'm saying like code doesn't always get it right, but it's there for a reason. And using Latin, now we have all of this data and scientific uh, evidence that we can use to really drive changes in the codes. Um, but that, so that's, I think, I think from uh, that perspective, like one of the big things I love, I love fire stop so much, right? Firewalls, fire, smoke wall. I talk more about that kind of stuff than just about anything because um, if, if you give, if a fire starts, right, in a, in a room, e, let's say an EVS closet, if a fire starts in an environmental services closet, then how fast is that smoke going to spread? Depends on how many holes there are in the wall, right? I mean, but, yeah, right. You know, or, or, it, but it's one of those that, I mean, smoke, smoke is the leading cause of death from fires, not fire, not burning. And if we don't have proper protection, the passive fire protection systems, the smoke doors, the fire doors, the firewalls, the fire barriers, the fire stuff, I harp on that probably more than anything. The sprinkler system is going to do its job. It's going to contain the fire, right? Uh, the fire alarm system is going to do its job. It's going to notify everybody. The only way that the fire stop, the fire doors, the smoke doors, all of that works together is if it's actually like taken care of. So when it comes to managing these barriers, what is it that facilities can do in either new construction or even retrofit to ensure that their building is safe and code compliant when it comes to Passive fire protection. Oh boy. Okay. Now you got me on a soapbox, John. Um, so Tim Prudian actually, uh, he and I talk about this a lot. He, he used to be in my, uh, he still is really my go-to, um, for all things, all things fire stop. And, uh, but when I was at my previous healthcare at Baptist, we developed a, uh, above ceiling permit process that has teeth. Um, and he likes to tell this story too. He tells it actually better than I do. <laughs> but um it was i took it so seriously that it was um you know if there was a three strike rule um if you if you uh were caught above ceiling without a permit then uh you get an email sent to your supervisor strike one strike two um i catch you again then you are kicked off site for three days and strike three is you're permanently removed from our campus you can no longer ever get a badge I mean, it, it's that serious um, because and and, I, and a part of that part of that process was that there was a pre inspection. They had to go and do an inspection beforehand and identify any existing issues. Right. So because they're the eyes and the ears of the facility, they're going out to all of these locations. We need their help. I'm not I'm I understand they may be a contractor or a vendor or whatever. That's not what I'm looking for. I look for a partner. I look for somebody who's going to help us be better, right? And if you're not going to help us be better, then I can go find somebody who will, right? So part of that pro, pro, uh, part of that program was um, you had to help identify and anything uh, that from a, on an on the post inspection side after you're done. If I find fire stop issues, or if anybody on the team found fire stop issues, you had to fix it. And we had people they're like, well, but I was running wire and you're pointing at a sprinkler pipe and i'm like yeah i don't care I, it's in the form you understand i mean we trained you on this it's your job to help us 
I love it. Above ceiling permit with teeth. There it is. So for all you facilities directors out there, get some teeth, start chomping on these guys. No, but it's great. Like you said, to, I can't tell you how many times I was out on job sites and I asked whoever's installed Firestop, every hand goes up. And then I asked whoever heard of the UL system and all the hands would go down inevitably. And it's, it's scary to think, but that kind of thing exists out there. So the more we have people like yourself, Josh, spreading the good word and fighting that fight, the better. I, I, I can't commend you enough for what you're doing out there with the ASHI and NFPA and legacy and everything else that's going on. I appreciate it, John. Thank you. I mean, I'm just like, like I said, I'm just one of, of so many people that, uh, you know, <laughs> that I think, I think, uh, contribute way more than I do. So, um, I just, I'm happy to do my, my small part. Yeah. No, I mean, you're doing a great job Thank and you. you know, that, that's why I asked you to name some of those people that helped mentor you throughout the years this way. You know, people know that you're not just making it up. So it's, it's awesome. No, Josh, it was great getting to know you a little bit better after our meeting in Nashville at uh, Ashy in August. It was great that we're back in, like you said, some of these live in-person events. Do you have any other shows or live trainings coming up that you want to let everybody know about? Um, I got, like I said, I got the Cashy one uh, coming up. I know um, Dave Dejeuner has got a few uh, that are coming up for a few uh, chapters. You know, we've got several, uh, several people that are on faculty. So uh, definitely check um, Ashy's website uh, for those trainings um, and events. And uh, of course, there's uh, PDC coming up next year in uh, Orlando. Um, I'll be there. Are you going to be there? I I am now. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's going to be that one's going to be great. Um, so, uh, yep. but that's what I can think of. All right. Well, we'll get those links in the, the show notes for you, your book, everything. Uh, anything else you want to promote? Any upcoming trainings or anything with legacy? How the floor is yours? Uh, no. So um, uh, we've got we've got a we do have um, some public stuff that's rolling out on the legacy side. We've been focused on for uh, the last several years on building our uh, private client base. But we recognize that the that not all hospitals can do. Um, a custom program or don't have the staff or don't have, I mean, we've worked, we've worked from every, with everything from critical access hospitals with only, you know, a facilities manager and one technician um, to uh, national system, uh, healthcare systems, right? So um, it is flexible. It can be done, but, but we want the information to get out there. So we are uh, going to be launching um, a public side. I don't have a date yet. There's no, there's no date, but um, very excited about that. Just to so that way everybody can have access to to content um, online, and um, it's uh, we got some pretty some pretty cool stuff that uh, we got a transcript that so we now have uh, we'll have the ability to do um, you can upload anything any certificate anything and have a single source for all of your CEUs um, and filter it by date so that way if you're renewing your chfm or chc or your pe it doesn't matter it doesn't doesn't matter you can use this um to capture that and then uh have all of your ceus just in one place I, that was actually a feature specifically that i did for me because i was tired of having them in my file drawer <laughs> having to sort through them <laughs> that's awesome well hey when that public uh, side of things goes live send me that link also we'll get it added here we're recording right now in october 2021 but as you know podcasts will live on in infamy so oh, awesome well josh again i thank so much for taking the time uh 
appreciate it so much. And thank you, everyone out there for listening. We know that there's a lot of podcasts and you've chosen to listen to ours. So thanks again. And again, make sure to check out the show notes to uh, for some of the links of everything that we talked about in this episode. And finally, if you enjoyed this show, you like to support us, please share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating, a review, whatever you do with podcasts. And to check out the latest and greatest from STI, check out our website, www.sti.firestop.com. Until next time, Josh, take care, buddy. This is The Burn. <laughs> <laughs>